0: Today, hoping for a guest speaker. I'm sorry, you're stuck with me again. When the ladies asked me to preach today from their three theme passage uh, found in the book of Acts, I was happy to oblige. And before we read that scripture, let me say how thankful I am that we have so many godly ladies, uh, ladies who love and live for the Lord Jesus Christ, ladies who are thrilled to be involved in missions. And who are, uh, teach about missions and who do missions. And uh, that starts right here at home. And how thankful I am for all these boys and girls. And uh, they're ministering to us today. We love them and so happy for them. I was looking there at the group on the back, where a lot of them will be going up, be our new uh, youth group members next year as they're growing up. And so we're thrilled to death. We're thankful for these ladies. Without them, we could not do all that we do at Red Hill. And so, ladies, keep up the good work. Thank you for all that you do. And uh, may your your kind increase. Alright, the book of Acts they've asked me to go to, chapter 4. And we'll be there today in chapter 4 and some in chapter 3. And uh, their passage actually is Acts chapter 4, verses 12 through 20. We're going to back up to verse 1 and read Acts 1 down through verse 22. Acts chapter 4, as we have the story of the early church and God's working here. Acts chapter 4. We'll begin reading the Word of God there at verse number 1. Acts chapter 4, verse 1. Now as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them. Being greatly disturbed, they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the Word believed. And the number of the men came to about 5,000. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and as many as it were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel... This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Now we pick up the passage where their theme begins. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled, and they realized that they had been with Jesus." And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them. And from now on they speak to no man in this name." And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you uh, more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have heard and seen. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old, on whom the miracle of healing had been performed. Now to fully understand what's going on here, beloved, you actually have to go all the way back to chapter 3. And there you have Peter and John going up to the temple at the time of prayer. And as they're going to the temple, they encounter a crippled man, a lame man there who's begging for money. In fact, if you go back and look across the page, or you need to turn back a page, find chapter 3, verse 6. That man is there. Can you picture the scene in your mind? They're going into the time of prayer. There's a crippled man there. He's been crippled, we understand, for over 40 years from uh, his mother's womb. He's there, a very pathetic looking man. Uh, A well-known man, no doubt. As people had seen him day in and day out by the temple. Here's what Peter says to him as uh, he's going into the temple. Chapter 3, verse 6. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately, his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with him, walking, leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Can you imagine being in the temple that day? Here's the same man you've seen day in and day out as you go by begging. And now he's no longer crippled. In fact, he's leaping, he's walking, he's praising God. Now, this created quite a stir among the people there. And it also created an opportunity to preach the Lord Jesus Christ, which, which Peter does. And then that brings us into chapter 4. There were there, those there that day who were not happy about what was taking place. They were not happy about it, that Christ was being preached. And as I studied this passage this past week, three things came to mind That we need to understand and be clear on when we share our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. When we proclaim the gospel message, three things in particular. Now Christian, you understand that you're a missionary, right? You're on mission. You're an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. You're to be taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. That begins right here where we are. And then we spread the gospel from here. You're on mission. God wants you to be on mission. God wants you to share the gospel. We know the Great Commission, I hope, where it says in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, it was read earlier, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So that's for us corporately. That's our mission as a church body, to take the gospel out. But it's also our mission individually. It's your mission, Christian. It's my mission. And so as you're going with the gospel, as you're sharing your faith, three things you need to keep in mind. We find in the passage before us. Number one, when you share your faith, when you share your faith, don't be surprised when you meet opposition. Don't be surprised when you meet opposition. Listen, not everyone's going to be excited and thrilled and happy that you're sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, go back to the passage now, look there again at verse 1 of chapter 4. It says, now as they spoke to all the people, or to the people, the priest, the captain of the temple, the Sadducees came upon them. Very vivid language there. Being greatly disturbed, they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody Into the next day, for it was already evening. The religious people, the religious leaders of all people, they hated what was happening here. Notice it mentions the Sadducees in this passage. You say, well, preacher, who were the Sadducees? Well, one way to remember them is to realize they were very sad, you see. You say, why are they sad? Well, Acts chapter 23 and verse 8, if you want to jot that reference down. Acts 23 8 says, For Sadducees say there is no resurrection and no angel or spirit, but the Pharisees confess both. See, they're very sad, you see, because they don't believe in the resurrection. They don't believe in the angelic or the spiritual realm. They don't believe in the miraculous, if you will. They deny the resurrection. They deny the supernatural. They deny the miraculous. So they had a real issue on their hands when you think about what's going on here. Peter is preaching what? He's preaching the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Go back to chapter 3 again. Look at verse 14. Peter in his sermon in chapter 3 verse 14 says, But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. Now, that's not bad enough. We go on and it's through Jesus that the crippled man was healed. Miraculous. Look at verse 16 of chapter 3. And his name through faith in His name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through Him has given Him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. To boil it all down, the Sadducees especially had a mess on their hands. Their belief was being blown out of the water. They don't believe in the resurrection. He's preaching the resurrection of Christ. They don't believe in in the supernatural, the miraculous, if you will. And here stands a man whom they cannot deny, who was crippled and now is healed. They thought they were done with Jesus. And now this. So, what could they do? Well, they did what the only thing they could do. They captured them, these troublemakers... And threw them in jail. Chapter 4, verse 3. They laid hands on them, put them in custody for the next day because it was already evening. So they put them in jail. And then they put them on trial. Look at verse 5 of chapter 4. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, scribes, Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, gathered together in Jerusalem. They set them in the midst and ask them this question by what power, by what name have you done this? Now I want you to get the scene. Stephen Davy helps us he said the seventy two member Sanhedrin is there seventy two members of the Sanhedrin are there they 're on a raised platform, seated according to their rank and party, and they 're in a semicircle. So get that in your mind 's eye. These religious leaders, these important people, these VIPs. And they're there in a semicircle, seated according to rank and party. And this is the same courtroom now where Jesus Christ was interrogated and condemned. And now Peter and John find themselves standing there looking at this party of imported people, if you will, and they're being put on trial. This is a serious situation. Now they were facing persecution. Why? Because they'd done good. Because they had shared the gospel. Because they preached Christ. Because they God had used them to heal a crippled man. They faced persecution because of that. Beloved, we need to understand and remember, if you faithfully proclaim the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, repentance of sin and faith in Christ, if you faithfully proclaim that, you will face persecution. You will face opposition. Now, why is this so surprising to us? Why does it shock us when someone rises up against us? Or cries out against us? Or tries to stop us? Jesus told us it would happen. Jot this reference down. John 15, verses 18 through 20. Jesus says in John fifteen, eighteen through 20, The world hates you. You know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. Yet because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. Jot this reference down, 2 Timothy 3.12. 2 Timothy 3.12. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leading us an example that you should follow His steps. Now let's be honest for a moment. Let's be transparent for a moment. We haven't faced physical harm where we live for sharing the Gospel. At least we've not faced it yet. We enjoy freedom. We enjoy the ability at the moment to proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, sure, we might face opposition in the form of scorn or ridicule or mockery or somebody snickering at us or somebody being mad at us or somebody slamming a door in our face or whatever. But we know nothing, beloved, where we live today. We know nothing of what our brothers and sisters in Christ face on a daily basis because they love Jesus like we do and they share Jesus openly and freely. Ishua, a recent uh, uh, Gospel for Asia-supported Bible college student, was handing out Christian literature when he was attacked and beaten by anti-Christian extremists. Of the three missionaries sharing that day, Ishua received the worst beating and suffered serious injuries. I want you to, want you to hear Ishua's words. And I quote, I remember them ripping the tracks out of my hand. And then they started hitting, kicking, and tearing my clothes, he later recalled. I had about 200 roots. That's about $4 in our money with me. They took those also. It started to hurt a lot. And I could see myself bleeding in different areas. Eventually, I fell down, and that's when they left me. You know, he added after being released from the hospital, these words, I'm so glad that at least in this small way I could partake in Christ's suffering, I feel so privileged. Now, let me be honest with you. I don't know anything about that. Never faced that. Never been placed in jail. Never been beaten or harmed for sharing my faith. Yet. I want to give you the symbolic charge they give seminary graduates there. Think about seminary for a moment. We just had seminary emphasis one of these Sundays a while ago. I met a seminary student and we're thankful for the seminary students. But I want you to hear a charge they give the seminary graduates there. Here's a symbolic charge: Go to the village you've chosen and dig your grave on the outskirts of town. If you must die to reach this village, give your life, give your life, and wait for us in heaven. It's a better place. Now can you imagine? You're seated there as a seminary graduate. And that's the charge you get. Go to the village God's called you to. Dig your grave there. If you must die to reach that village, do so. Wait for us in heaven. We'll meet you there. Beloved, we know nothing about that kind of persecution. I wonder, is Jesus Christ that real to us? Do we love Him that much? If it came to giving our very life, would we willingly... Trust Him and say, I will stand for the Lord Jesus Christ regardless of the cost. Beloved, let's be honest about it. We feel like we're suffering if the service doesn't end by noon and we're late getting to lunch. We feel like we're suffering for Jesus. Oh, I've given my... Oh, oh, it's 12.15. I have suffered for Jesus. May God help us. May God help us. You see, when you share your faith, and the Lord jesus christ don 't be surprised by opposition, secondly, when you share your faith in jesus Christ don 't water down the message don 't water down the message. Can you imagine what it must have felt like to stand in the sandals of Peter and John before this panel of very important persons this counsel who were interrogating and having them on trial. How are they able to do that? Well, the key is found in chapter 4, verse 8, where it says, Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. See, that, that's the key. Being filled by the Holy Spirit. That means being controlled by the Spirit. Luke chapter 12, 11 and 12, the Lord Jesus said these words, Now when they bring you to the synagogues and magistrates and authorities... Do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. That's not a a passage that people uh, should use to be uh, lazy and studying for the Sunday school class or lazy about preaching. People say, oh, I, I just stand up and let God fill my mouth. That's not what that passage says. That passage says when you're drawn in before those because of your faith, don't worry, but in that hour... You submit to me and I'll give you the words you need to say. They were under the Spirit's control and they boldly proclaim the gospel. Now remember, they're standing their on trial and they boldly proclaim the gospel. Look at it with me. They don't add to it. They don't subtract from it. But notice what it says there, beginning at verse 8 again. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Who? The Sanhedrin. All these VIPs. These religious leaders. Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead... By Him, this man stands there before you whole. There you see the crucifixion, the death, burial, resurrection of the, of the Lord Jesus. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Now notice verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must... Be saved. Mark it down big and bold. Underline it. Highlight it. Put a star by it. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Jesus Christ is the only way to God. He said Himself. We learned it in DBS I think this past year. Our theme verse, boys and girls, John 14, 6. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father Except through me. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is an exclusive message. He's the only way. No other name. No other way. No other road. He's the only way. Now today the thought is syncretism. Syncretism basically says this. You don't have to follow just one religion. You can pick and choose and come up with whatever works for you. And that can be your spirituality. That can be your religion. That can be your faith. That's not what the Bible teaches. John MacArthur in his commentary on Acts wrote, the exclusivism of Christianity goes against the grain of our religiously pluralistic society. A chapel built at the North Pole in February 1959 was built by the men of Operation Deep Freeze 4. And it typifies the prevalent attitude today toward religious belief. The structure, this chapel they built, North Pole, contained an altar over which hung a picture of Jesus, a crucifix, a star of David, and a lotus leaf representing Buddha. And on the wall of the chapel was an inscription that read, Now it can be said that the earth turns on the point of faith. That's the thought today. You could pick something from Buddhism, Hinduism, New Age, Christianity, whatever you want. Mix it all together, stir it all together, and that's fine. That's great. That's the thought today. Let me tell you what the Bible says in Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in at it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Beloved, all roads do not lead to God. All roads do not lead to God. That does be make common sense. All roads don't even lead to Ansonville, do they? Some of those roads are dead in the streets. There's a way that's in right to a man, but the end thereof is destruction. The way to God exclusively... The only way is through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Mark it down big and bold. Be clear on that. If nothing else today, there's only one way to God. Only one way to heaven. And that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what that does? That makes some people hate us. They call us narrow. They call us intolerant how dare we say that we have the only way beloved we're only messengers we didn't create the message we're just messengers the lord in his word is gave us that message jesus says i am the way the truth the life no one comes to the father but through me except through me don't water down the gospel message Only through repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is a person born again. Notice that's what Peter preached. Look back at chapter 3, verse 19. Chapter 3, verse 19 in the sermon, he said, Repent therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. He gave that message out. And then when he's standing before these religious leaders, he says, Listen nor is there salvation any other. For there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Only through the Lord Jesus Christ is a person born again. I first learned about Peter Cartwright in Bible college. He was not on Bonanza, by the way. This is what I'm talking about. But he was quite a very interesting individual, to say the least. I ran across a story about Peter Cartwright this past week that uh, was worth sharing. Kent Hughes shared the following. Peter Cartwright was a great circuit-riding Methodist preacher, by the way, uh, in Illinois. And one Sunday morning when he was scheduled to preach, his deacons came to him and told him that President Andrew Jackson was in the congregation. Now imagine that. The President of the United States is in the congregation today. Knowing Cartwright was used to saying whatever he felt God wanted him to say, regardless of how people might react, They warranted not to say anything that would offend the chief executive. Oh, how dare we offend the chief executive? That thought's still prevalent today. You believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. You're not invited to pray or do anything anymore. You're too narrow or intolerant. But I want you to hear it. Peter Cartwright got the message from his deacons. Don't, Don't say anything out of the way. The president's here. Peter Cartwright stood up that morning. He said, I understand President Andrew Jackson is here. And I've been requested to be guarded in my remarks. President Andrew Jackson is here. He said, Andrew Jackson will go to hell if he does not repent. He stood there and said that. Andrew Jackson will go to hell if he does not repent. And the audience was shocked. They wondered, how in the world would the President... Respond to this. But after the service, you know what happened? President Andrew Jackson came up to Peter Cartwright, here's what he said, and I quote, Sir, if I had a regiment of men like you, I could whip the world, end quote. Thank God for somebody who will stand and say, Listen, Jesus Christ is the only way. Whether you're a president, a king, a religious leader, a poor person, a rich person, whatever, Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Don't water down the message. Beloved, do you believe the Bible or not? You see, the Bible says there's only one way to heaven, his name is Jesus Christ. Do you believe the gospel? Do you really believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven? Acts four twelve says no other name. You need to be settled on that and realize there's no other way. It's not okay if a person's religious. Look at these people. They're the most religious people around, and they're lost, and they're persecuting those who love the Lord Jesus Christ. Religion's not the answer, a relationship with Jesus Christ. So when you share your faith, don't be surprised by opposition. It's going to come. Don't water down the message. Make it bold and clear Jesus Christ is the only way. But there's a third thought here. When sharing your faith, don't be intimidated. By a lack of formal credentials. Don't be intimidated by lack of formal credentials. Say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, I want you to go back and read what the passage says. In chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. I love this part. Chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. And now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were, watch this, uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And they realized they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Now I want you to notice what these men did not have. Peter and John, first of all, had no money. So preach. how do you know that? Chapter 3, verse 6, Peter says what? Silver and gold, I have none. I don't have any money. I don't have any silver, I don't have any gold. They didn't have any money. Secondly, they had no degrees. They'd never been to seminary. They were uneducated, untrained men as far as the world standards. They'd never even taken the class we offer here, share Jesus without fear. They'd never even read the book. share Jesus without fear. They had no formal credentials whatsoever as far as the world was concerned. But they had one thing that made all the difference in the world. They had been with Jesus. Now hear me. Nothing against using funds, money, silver, gold to spread the gospel. We ought to. We talked about that this morning in Sunday school. We should. Nothing against formal education. I believe in that. I, I completed a master's degree last year myself. Nothing against that. But you can have those things and be just as lost as you can be. Why? Because the men before them, interrogating them, they had, well, they had credentials. They had training, but they had not... Receive the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. You see the difference, beloved? If we're not careful, we'll begin to try to bring in worldly things to the church and do spiritual, make spiritual fruit happen. We'll try to look at things from a worldly point. We can't do that. The key is not being the most intelligent or the wealthiest or having the right network of people. The key is knowing Jesus Christ. Really knowing Him. Even those who opposed them, they knew they'd been with Jesus. They perceived that. They knew that. Now, in the sight of the Sanhedrin, these men were nothing. They were uneducated, untrained men. But I want you to notice what happened through their ministry. Look at chapter 4, verse 4. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. As the numbers continue to swell of believers, we've reached the 5,000 point. Now, are you using the excuse today that you're not trained, that you've never been to seminary, that you've had no formal credentials, therefore you cannot share your faith? Is that an excuse you're using today? Let me ask you something. What about your personal testimony, Christian? Look at the theme verse. I think this is the theme verse for WMU. Look at verse 20. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Your personal testimony. What has Jesus Christ done in your life? What difference has He made in your life? Who can refute that? You see, a changed life that submitted to the Lordship of Christ is a powerful thing in sharing your faith. In other words, tell them what Jesus did for you. You were a sinner. You were lost. No peace. No hope. No true joy. No lasting joy in your life. And then you heard the Gospel. You were convicted of your sin. You repented of your sins. I don't want my sin. I want Jesus. You placed your faith in Him and He changed your life. He made you a child of God. He made you a citizen of heaven. He gave you joy and peace. And, and, and you love Him. and Just share and show them how Jesus Christ changed your life. Tell them what you've experienced. You see, if you do that, beloved, it doesn't matter if you've ever been to seminary. It doesn't matter if you've been the Bible college. It doesn't matter if you have formal training. If you can share the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in simple terms. Just simple terms. Spend that time with Jesus. Spend that time in prayer. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then go and share the Gospel. But as you go, don't be surprised when you meet opposition. And as you go, don't water down the message. Don't say, well, it's okay if you believe that Jesus and. If Jesus plus anything, that's not the Gospel. For by grace you saved through faith, not of your works, Don't add to the gospel. Don't subtract from the gospel. And don't let a lack of formal credentials hinder you in sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, can I say this? I think sometimes the training and the formal credentials hinder more than not having them all together. Because you begin to depend on those things. Well, I've been trained and I've had this and I've got this stuff. Listen, if you go out in the power of the Holy Spirit and you seek to share the faith and the glorious gospel, the Holy Spirit will take charge and guide you. And by the way, He's the one that does the work anyway. We're messengers. You've not failed if you proclaim the gospel and someone rejects the gospel. They're not rejecting you, they're rejecting the Lord Jesus. And so you go out and, and, and the Spirit-filled boldness, not in pride or arrogance, but depending on the Holy Spirit, say, Lord, I want to be a, a Gospel messenger. I want to share the faith. And I'm going to leave the results to You because it's only the Holy Spirit who can convict and convert a person. Listen, it's been many a Sunday I've stood and preached at a pulpit. And I've seen no visible fruit. Now, we don't know. Maybe down the road and, or whatever. Only God knows that. But I haven't failed because I've proclaimed the Gospel. And when you go out and you proclaim the gospel and people reject you or even oppose you, you've not failed if you've been faithful in sharing the gospel, not watering it down, not adding to it, not subtracting from it, but the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Repentance of faith in Christ alone. Now, beloved, are you doing that? See, that's the challenge we have. That's what WMU challenges all the time, Right? in various areas, to share the gospel. Share the gospel. Listen, if Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, and He is, if the Bible is true, and it is, then you and I have got a message the world needs to hear. Your neighbors need to hear this. Your coworkers need to hear this. You say, well, they'll be fine. No, they won't. If they die without Jesus Christ, they're going to hell. We've got to get gripped by that message and realize Jesus Christ is the only way. So share it. Share it joyfully. Share it freely. Share it with everybody. But don't be surprised by opposition. Don't water it down. And don't let a lack of formal credentials hinder you in sharing that glorious message. Father, it is with a grateful heart. We bow in your presence this morning. And Lord, we really don't believe this at times. At least we don't live it. I pray your Holy Spirit which so grip our hearts and our minds and help us to understand that without Jesus, people will die and go to hell. No matter who they are here, no matter how great they may be in the world's eyes, they must repent of their sin and place their faith in Jesus Christ. Now, Lord, I pray that You would help us to be bold, not proud, not arrogant, but out of love and concern and a desire to serve You, be bold in sharing our faith. And when opposition comes... We just give that to You. Lord, we don't, we don't water down the message. We don't let our, all of our lack and, and what we don't have hinder us. We just, we just depend upon You more. And say, Lord, You know I don't have these things, but I just trust You. And I pray Your Holy Spirit to work and move in our hearts and our lives. We pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters like Ishua and others who are willing and literally laying it all on the line for the Gospel. Lord, we don't face that this moment, but that's not to say we won't in the future. Help us to be many women of true and real faith. That when that day comes, if it does come for us, we will stand boldly for you and be willing to lay all down for you. Now, before I close this prayer, nobody's looking around. Every head is bowed, every eyes closed. I'd be remiss if I did not extend a gospel invitation to you today. Without Jesus Christ, you will die and go to a horrible place called hell. That is not God's desire. It's not our desire. It's not Jesus' desire. In fact, He loved you so much. He came and took upon Himself flesh, lived a sinless, perfect life among us, among men, and then voluntarily laid His life down on that old rugged cross, shed His blood was buried and rose again, that you might have eternal life. The Bible says if you'll turn from your sin and place your faith in Christ, you will be given eternal life. You'll be given a home in heaven. Your sin will be forgiven. And you'll be a child of God. Now I wonder, friend, have you done that? Is that settled in your life today? Are there any doubts about that? Do you know where you'd be today if you were to die? You can know. You can be sure today if you'll place your faith in Jesus Christ. And so in a moment when we sing this final hymn, I want to invite you to come. I'll be standing down here at the front. If you're not sure about that, you have questions about that, or you know you're not saved and you'd like to be saved, you just walk down meet me here. I'll place you with someone one-on-one who will share the gospel with you and talk with you and lead you to Christ. Now maybe you say, Preacher, I know I'm born again. Well, praise the Lord. Would you be real honest with yourself this morning? Are you being a missionary where God's placed you? Are you sharing the faith, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Oh, I know it's easy. We get busy. We get preoccupied. But friend, we need to open our eyes and realize that people are destined to bust hell wide open. And we have the gospel. We can stop that from happening as we share the gospel with them. And they place their faith in Christ. Are you burdened about lost humanity? Are you burdened about lost souls? Is your faith that real to you? Is Jesus that real to you? Maybe you need to come today and pray and say, Father, forgive me. I've been so preoccupied, I think I'm suffering. I've I've suffered nothing. I'm not really looking at a lost humanity and realizing just how lost they are and how much they need Jesus. Maybe today your desire is to come and pray and say, God, help me to be burdened and gripped with the lostness of humanity and the glorious gospel, the answer, Jesus Christ. Now, Father, I give you this time, I give you this invitation. I pray your will be done, you be glorified, bring lost men and women, boys and girls to you. Bring believers to you in repentance today if they need to come and say, Father, forgive me, and open my eyes wide to the great need before us. We pray this in that name above every name, Jesus Christ, and for his sake. Amen. Five hundred and eighty six are closing him. We've a story to tell to the nations. Trust, I've made the invitation clear today. If you need to be saved, just come meet me here. I'll put you with someone who loves Jesus and loves you. They'll share the gospel with you. You're a believer, you want to come and pray today. You do that. The altar is open. 586, we have a story to tell to the nation. Let's stand and sing.